Welcome to the Azure Security Podcast, where we discuss topics relating to security, privacy, reliability, and compliance on the Microsoft Cloud Platform. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 36. This week, we have myself, Michael. We have Gladys and Mark. We also have a special guest, David Trigano, who's here to talk to us about Azure Defender for SQL Vulnerability Assessment. But before we get to David, let's uh, take a look at the news. I'll kick things off. A couple of things really piqued my interest this week. The first was based on an internal discussion that we had at Microsoft uh, with some of the networking security folks uh, and the Azure team. Uh, I'll be honest, I'm mainly an app development guy. You know, application security, security design, that sort of stuff is you know my sort of main area of expertise. The security when it comes to networking is not. I'm not an expert at all, so I'm always willing to learn new stuff. Uh, so we had this internal discussion, and uh, the woman who was talking uh, provided a link to the Azure Networking Ninja Training. Uh, so I'm going to provide a link to that because the material is absolutely fantastic. Another one is there's some tools available to, that allow you to perform network intrusions uh, into Azure so that you can make sure that your tooling all works um, using a whole bunch of open source tools. So I'll actually provide a link to those as well. And finally, um, just to keep your Diogenes and uh, Sarah happy, uh, I actually took SC900, which is the Security and Identity Fundamentals uh, exam. Pretty easy. I mean, it's an hour-long uh, exam. I actually got it done in 15 minutes. That being said, I, I think if you're relatively new to security in, in Azure, it's still well, well, worth, well worth taking the exam, uh, if for no other reason to have another, another exam under your belt. Uh, as I've mentioned in many times before, I'm looking at taking all the, uh, all the 900 exams. So the next one on the, on the cards is going to be the AI 900. Then after that, I'll probably do the Power Platform 900. I think that's PB 900. It's P something 900. And that's all I got. This is Gladys, and I'm going to be focusing uh, in this session on government. Microsoft has been releasing a lot of documentation that is geared to answer the executive order on improving the nation's cybersecurity. Many people are familiar with the original order that was released on May 12, 2021, which was focused on government organizations. But there's also a memorandum that was released for improving cybersecurity for critical infrastructure control systems which includes energy, nuclear, wastewater uh, management system sectors, emergency uh, services, healthcare, transportation, financial, commercial, and many other organizations as well. Because there are so many organizations that need this guidance, Microsoft has been creating a lot of blogs, documentation, and even newer capabilities within our products to address the requirements end-to-end. Some examples include the Zero Trust Tech 3.0 book for Sentinel mapping. This uh, is one of the guidance that is recommend to address requirements for the EO or executive order. The Azure Security Benchmark maps uh, requirements to the NIST SP853. There's a lot of guidance being published also in the Cyber EO section or the Microsoft Federal page as well. So please be in the lookout for the documentation and capabilities being released. I will put several links in our podcast site as well. On August 16, also, uh, we announced the general availability of Azure Government Top Secret. This shows the Microsoft commitment to the mission of nation security. Currently, 
There are over 60 services, but more are coming soon. This is close to the same amount of the services that we have in Azure Secret, which is 73. The blog also talks about data unification and services uh, interconnection strategy, which is something uh, we keep consistent within all our clouds. Thanks. Uh, from my side, a um, couple, uh, couple updates, mostly in the sort of the training readiness education space. The first of the videos that we recorded, they're actually formatted as interactive guides. So think computer-based training where you kind of click next and back um, you know, for, for concept. Um, so the first uh, versions of those are out for the cyber reference architecture. Um, so the, the three that um, we released recently are the main capabilities diagram, the people diagram that talks about roles and responsibilities, jobs to be done, and um, a third one is the zero trust user access. And so those three um, are rolled out and available publicly. So um, putting the links in the show notes there for, for you all to check those out. Um, these, um, these particular videos, um, there's some more coming, but uh, um, these particular videos are focused on folks that are a little bit more new to security, uh, new to security technology, new to Microsoft's um, capabilities. We do have um, some coming that are a little bit more oriented towards folks that are familiar with the cyber reference architectures and have seen previous uh, versions of the videos. Uh, but these are uh, more for the, the folks that are a little bit new to it. There's definitely some uh, interesting information there for all audiences, but we really tried to, to help those folks that are a little bit new to the, the space with this uh, particular set of videos or interactive guides rather. Um, the other thing um, that I wanted to uh, reshare, because uh, this is something that um, a lot of people aren't sort of used to coming from Microsoft, is um, we have some Ninja training. Ninja is just our Microsoft terminology for the, uh, you know, a nice sets of training, a whole complete set of training to help you become an expert or a ninja. The Defender for IoT one is the one I want to highlight, and I'll uh, include a link for that in the show notes as well. What this is, is for our operational technology, also known as SCADA, Supervisory Control and Data Acquisition, ICS, Industrial Control System. It goes by a lot of different names, but ultimately, OT is the technology that computers that control physical machines, physical processes, take in data from sensors, etc., so that, that security technology we have for securing those environments, often 30 to 50 year old crusty electronics is, uh, is out. So, you know, how Microsoft can help you secure that and how to use it and how to work with it and how that whole space works at large. Um, so I wanted to highlight that for, uh, for folks as well. Okay, so now we've got the news out of the way. Let's turn our attention to our guest. Uh, this week we have David Trigano, who is here to talk to us about Azure Defender for SQL Vulnerability Assessment. Uh, David, welcome to the podcast. Would you mind spending a moment just uh, explain what you do to our to our listeners? Sure. Hi, everyone. Hi, Michael. Thank you for inviting me to that, uh, that podcast. So, um, as you said, my name is David Trigano. I'm a uh, product manager working on Microsoft. My uh, actual job is to ensure that our customers are well protected using uh, Azure Defender for SQL, and specifically SQL vulnerability assessment that we will talk about it in a minute. And uh, more personally, I've been in Microsoft for uh, seven years. Interesting history because of, uh, I started my journey at Microsoft as a Microsoft student partner. So MSP, it's kind of MVP before students when I was in France, so 2008, 2009. And then in 2010, I started as an intern software engineer working on Microsoft France. Then I moved to be a uh, ADM, so Application Development Manager. I came to Israel five years ago, still working on Microsoft as an ADM. 
And two years ago, I moved to a program manager slash product manager here at, in, a, in Azure Security Center. Thanks for that. So just so our listeners are aware, this is kind of uh, the second part of a two-part series. Uh, last time we had Michael Maklevich to talk to us about Azure Defender for SQL Advanced Threat Protection. And so this is the second half now. So um, David is going to cover the other part, which is the vulnerability assessment. David, would you, would you mind just spending a couple of minutes, just explain what the vulnerability assessment side of the house looks like and uh, you know what's sort of the philosophy and the goals behind that part of the product? I think when you when you... Look over the, uh, the the security posture or the security lifecycle of a uh, of a resource. You have this reactive alert that you are receiving when when a malicious user access to your database or when there is malicious activities in your database. But you have all this proactive side of the of this lifecycle, which uh, basically contains of scanning your databases, discovering misconfigurations and vulnerabilities. And highlighting those misconfigurations and vulnerabilities, allowing our customers to um, fix them and remediate them before something bad happens to the to the databases. So uh, I think bottom line, this is what VA stands for: scan databases, proactively discover misconfigurations and vulnerabilities, sending these findings into a centralized place that is called Azure Defender for SQL, or should I say, Azure Security Center part of the uh, CSPM side of Azure Security Center. So CSPM stands for Cloud Security Posture Management. So basically, Azure Security Center has two aspects. The first one is CSPM, as I just mentioned, Cloud Security Posture Management, allowing customers to understand the security posture on their environment, receiving recommendations and best practices from Microsoft. Not only this, but these are the big pillars of the CSPM. And this, what we call the second part is the CWP for cloud, post, uh, cloud workload protection, which basically you can translate it into the uh, uh, ATP sides of the uh, Azure Defender plans. So ATP for SQL, ATP for containers, ATP for VMs, et cetera, et cetera. So which versions of SQL Server are protected by, by VA? Basically, we do like to say that we are protecting any type, any flavor of SQL. So you can have Azure SQL database, Synapse Data Warehouse, SQL Managed Instance. You can have also SQL Server on-prem. You can have SQL Server hosted on an Azure VM. So as long as you are, as long as we are supporting this SQL version, so it's basically SQL Server um, twelve and higher, so twelve, fourteen, sixteen, seventeen, and nineteen. Uh, we also uh, protect SQL servers that are hosted outside of Azure. So as I said, on premise, but as well on any other cloud provider. So it can be AWS, GCP, IBM, Oracle, Alibaba Cloud. We are basically considering these are servers that are hosted outside of Azure, and we are, of course, protecting those uh, flavors of SQL, those cloud providers, regardless of um, where they are or what is, the, what is the version. As long as they are uh, hosted on a Windows operating system, we do protect them. So last time when we spoke to Michael, um, he did mention AWS, and I thought, well, perhaps that means you know, we have some, like, some special connector to AWS, like to allow you know SQL Server to run inside of a VM, say a Windows Server 2019 VM. And you just mentioned AWS, GCP, Alibaba Cloud, IBM's Cloud, Oracle Cloud. So what's actually going on there? Obviously, it's not restricted to just AWS. And 
like reading between the lines, it sounds like we don't have like some some funky connector out to AWS. So so basically, for us, we we do consider any other any cloud providers as a uh, single cloud provider. For us, it doesn't matter when the, where the SQL slash the underlying operating system run. So as long as you're using Azure Arc, or as long as you're using an OMS agent, we are basically able to connect your uh, machine into Azure. And as long as the machine is connected to Azure, then we have the ability to proactively detect misconfigurations and vulnerabilities using SQL VA and detect malicious activities using SQL Advanced Threat Protection. So are there any port requirements to gather telemetry? For the OMS agent, it's the port 443 that we need to uh, that 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 needs to be open. And for Azure Arc, so Arc and Archie, so Archie means for a Azure Arc SQL enabled. So it's the um, extra piece of uh, uh, technical implementation that Microsoft built on top of the Azure Arc agent to uh, detect automatically a SQL server and connect the SQL server as well into the uh, into the Azure in, into Azure. Uh, this is something that you need to check within the uh, within our documentation, but of course, this is something that we uh, that we document. So, a little later in the podcast, I'm going to ask a question about uh, sort of what sort of vulnerabilities you you, know, you look for in configuration of, an, of a SQL database. But before I get there, and I really like your opinion on this, uh, both from a technical perspective and a sort of philosophical perspective. You know, SQL database is a kind of interesting beast, right? Because you've got this sort of shell around the database, which is very, very sort of Windows-ish. Like if you're installing inside of a VM, um, so for example, you know, I can install it as a service. It can run as a specific account. Uh, I can change ACLs on objects that are on the in the file system, and so on. And then I've got like say Azure SQL DB, right? And so around it, I've got all the Azure stuff. So I can deploy it with an ARM template. I can use a little little F firewall and do port restrictions and so on. But then when you get inside the database, you've got all these things that are unique to SQL databases that require protection, and they're not exposed to Windows directly. They're not exposed to Azure directly. Uh, so examples would include things like you know, various roles that are unique to, uh, to SQL databases, or one you know, very commonly used sort of security pattern with SQL databases is to deny access to underlying tables and then grant access, say, through store procedures or views only. I mean, this is a very interesting nuance that exists within SQL databases. Uh, do you have any thoughts about you know, what sort of stresses or difficulties or potential complexities that might bring to someone administering and protecting these databases? Absolutely. So, uh, so you, you're raising actually a good concern, or sh- uh, I say you're raising a good, um, a good matter that applies only, or should I say, uh, actually exclusively to SQL. Maybe you have this within some other OSS databases. But in fact, within SQL, I think we Microsoft made something that, that nobody made over the last few decades, which is taking an on-prem relational databases and try to lift and shift the database itself to be a pass application. So what you have here is is kind of inception, you know, like the movie where you have dreams into dreams. And here it's the same thing. You have this resource within a resource. So uh, you have, as you said, you have this SQL database that sits inside a SQL server, that sits inside a virtual machine, that sits inside the cloud, uh, uh, which is very, very complex to to manage because you have multiple personas. As you said, you have the 
security administrator that is here to applies uh, here to apply and to configure policies and security policies around for the for the organization. You have the IT guy that in charge of managing the virtual or the physical server, and then you have the application owner who is in charge of ensuring that the data is still here and available and and, and and accessible and reliable. And then you also have the DBA that is in charge of ensuring that the SQL answers at scale and and is reliable in terms of, of infrastructure, not, not the data itself. So you have all these people that are actually dealing, I mean, you, you're dealing with all these people to secure the database because database, it's not secured like, okay, just hit next and you configure it and you and you secure it. You you need to understand what is going to be the business impact when you change a configuration. We need to be what you need to understand what's the security impact if you do not change a specific configuration. You also need to take into consideration that all of these guys, all of these personas within the organization are not talking the same language. They're not using the same tools. They don't know the same uh, products. They don't have the same agenda. So is basically it's a world with a lot of frictions. And I think even from a product perspective, it's something that drives us a little bit crazy. I think it's a real challenge from a product point of view, how you, how you put all these people into the same room, collaborating together on improving security posture related to SQL without forcing them to do something they don't want, they don't understand, they don't like, it's not part of their duties, it's not part of their day-to-day journey it's something that is that is interesting to 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 explore and even to when you when we talk with customers every customer has its own view about it you will have customers that will say okay i have a a bunch of dbas that are managing my on-prem databases while i basically move to a more agile model model like i have resource owners and application owners that are managing my past applications and past resources. So you have people that are managing storage account and Cosmos DB and virtual machine and SQL on pass and on IaaS that are dealing with the same product that DBAs that are working for years and years on the same SQL server, just upgrading three or five years after three or five years to the next version. And these people are not, as I said, talking the same language. So I think that these are the biggest challenges we are dealing with. It's an interesting one because at the end, I think customers have the same goal. Like, help me to secure my my SQL server. Help me to avoid receiving thousands, if not more, alerts a day. Help me to ensure that my sensitive data hosted on my SQL, because we all know that SQL stores sensitive data. You don't have a SQL server if you want to store pictures. You have SQL servers because you host uh, information related to your customers, information related to your personal IP, information that helps your application, that is your money maker to help and serve your customers. So SQL is a is probably one of the most important pillar within organizations today. And I think that's a real challenge. How we, how we help them to be secure without forcing them to do something they don't understand. This complexity must uh, lead to uh, interesting compliance issues. Uh, how are we helping customers to balance uh, security and compliance? 
I think security and compliance, I used to say that security and compliance used to, uh, I mean, should work within a in better together mindset. So if you talk with security guys, they will tell you that they should lead security and security should lead compliance. If you talk to compliance guy, they will tell you the opposite, like compliance should lead security. If you talk to people that are dealing with FedRAM, CIS, GDPR, or any other benchmark uh, that we have today in the market, and God knows how benchmarks we have, and every week or every month we have new benchmarks, popping around the world that telling you, hey, now you need to deal one to three or you need to act like one to three in case of data breaches or security auditors, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a, um, that's something that SQL VA tries to um, connect. So if you look in, 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 in SQL VA, when we have rules of findings, we are trying to tell to our customers and users what is the associated uh, uh, benchmark to that rule? So in case they have uh, auditors coming from FedRAMP or CIS, they can generate reports or they can tell, hey, you know what? These are all the rules that I passed that are related to FedRAMP or CIS or even STIG, which is the DOD benchmark that is being used across all the U.S. governments. So... Um, yeah, I, I mean, if I'm summarizing, I think security sh- and compliance should help each other. But uh, I'm sure, Michael, you have other thought about it. But it's a, it's a, uh, it's it's a very complex question. That is, and again, similar to what we said about the challenges around securing SQL databases, every organization has its is its own opinion, its own uh, process about who is leading. Is it security? Is it compliance? Is it a better together? So uh, it really depends on the uh, on the organizations we are working with. Yeah, I do have a couple of comments about security and compliance. You know, I want to point out, you know, security does not equal compliance, um, and compliance does not equal security. Like you say, they they can work hand in hand, and they should work hand in hand. Um, but historically, I found that you know customers recognize that they have to meet compliance requirements. You know. Say, for example, PCI DSS for handling credit cards or HIPAA High Trust for healthcare, you know, FedRAMP for federal customers, GDPR for European customers, SOC 2, all these, you know, all this alphabet soup. So they know they need to be compliant and uh, they need to be compliant with these various, these various programs. One thing that we've done that's actually worked really, really well is uh, when we're building threat models for, for customers, so they're taking an application and they want, want to understand what their security posture is so we can build a threat model. I mean, this is obviously looking at things from an application development and design perspective. But one thing we've done is actually mapped the mitigations that are in the threat model onto compliance programs. Uh, and that's actually worked really, really well. It kind of ends up being a Rosetta Stone between the compliance folks, the architect, architecture folks and the security folks. And so that works really well. Um, the only little last little thought I'll leave is we've actually managed, this sounds a bit cynical, but it is what it is. We've actually managed to unlock funds for customers to do to drive security programs by uh, using compliance programs to help drive some of that security work. And again, we found threat modeling is a really good way of mapping between those those various disciplines. So yeah, I think um, compliance is obviously critical. We do a great job of it, I think, in Azure in terms of being able to show people their security posture through Azure Security Center as it maps to various compliance programs. Um, and I think uh, you know anything that goes through ASC is always a, always a good starting point. 
I wanted to add a comment about uh, what you mentioned of security not equal to compliance or vice versa. And, uh, unfortunately, lately, technology uh, is moving so fast that actually not even compliance or governance uh, is keeping up uh, with the technology. And that is adding some interesting challenges uh, to many customers because uh, they're implementing all this technology but the process, the procedures, the compliant document talk nothing about these new uh, services. And unfortunately, it's becoming really a roadblock uh, for implementation and use of this technology. Uh, so I, I wanted to ensure uh, that a customer understand they need to update uh, uh, this documentation in order to uh, take uh, full value or full uh, use of of their investments. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think what you just said, folks, it's it's absolutely correct. I think we need to. Uh, it's it's a, it's an interesting time because because we are living in a cloud world for the last ten, even fifteen years. But we have customers that are started this journey of moving to the cloud and implementing, as you said, Gladys, some uh, new technology processes and applications and i think they security and compliance need to be uh, associated but not only associated they need to be well understand and digested so they understand what are the um common points and what are the differences that they must take care of uh something i wanted also to uh to double check and to and pay a little bit more attention is Something that I, I mentioned in the, uh, in the beginning of this podcast, which is the, uh, the CSPM within Azure Security Center, so for cloud security posture management. It's great that we're talking about compliance because compliance is also something that is part of CSPM, cloud security posture management within Azure Security Center. And this is something also customers are uh, integrating part of their posture management. As I said, all the all the uh, secure score, all the recommendations that are sold by controls within, within Azure Security Center, how we can help customers to understand how secure they are uh, against Microsoft's best practices within Azure, but also outside Azure. We uh, talked also, Michael, about this multi-cloud approach that Microsoft is, and more specifically within Azure that we are going through having the ability to help our customers not only to protect their Azure resources or to, or to improve their security posture within Azure, but how we can help also help them to improve their security posture and not only for SQL, not only for Azure, but everywhere. Customers and organizations more and more have a multi-cloud approach and CSPM specifically within ASC tries to help customers to get into a single go-to location, which is Azure Security Center, a control, a visibility on how secure your resources and applications are across your organization, regardless of where those applications and resources sit. So one of the advantages of Microsoft uh, services is the, the interconnectivity that it provides between uh, services. This enables uh, the customer to have wide amount of signals from both Microsoft services and third-party uh, uh, services. So what is the type of information that you're feeding into Azure Security Center? 
So, in fact, what we are basically uh, sending slash feeding into Azure Security Center from a SQL VA perspective. So, we have we basically have two recommendations uh, within the, um, the 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 CSPM area, allowing customers to see all the recommend all, all the misconfigurations and vulnerabilities are across their SQL. So, this is a question that I sort of alluded to earlier in the in the podcast. So what kinds of things does SQL vulnerability assessment actually look for? I would say that we are, we are of course, focusing on security. Uh, so if you have misconfiguration, and, and, I can, and I can think about the most famous one, which is the SA, the default login that's being generated when you deploy an, a new SQL server. This is something that is uh, being well known and used by malicious users and attackers, and, I, and I'm sure... Michael, during the previous podcast, spent times talking about it. This is what we see mainly on uh, different attacks and patterns being used by attackers across SQL. Basically, the uh, the technique is is super simple. Customers are basically deploying SQL Server. By default, they have this SA user that is being uh, enabled. Basically, they have to set up a password to this uh, to this default user. They are usually taking a weak passport, like, you know, passport with capital P, W, O, and capital D, some basic password like this. And uh, malicious users are, are basically brute forcing this essay. So this is the first misconfiguration of vulnerability that we are looking for. We're also checking if XP commercial is enabled. So for those who are not familiar with XP commercial is a capability within SQL, SQL Server allowing DBAs or users within the SQL engine with enough permission to run a, a DOS script, so script on the underlying operating system. So you can think about how powerful this capability is if it falls into a malicious user. So you can connect and run a, a remote script from, from the internet. You can deploy crypto miner. You can deploy ransomware on the uh, on the underlying operating system, and this is something. And these are not like theoretical examples; these are real examples we are seeing every day, unfortunately, with customers, and not only small customers. I think on the internet you have news popping every day talking about cyber attacks on big organizations, worldwide organizations that are their SQL. Their storage account has been compromised and data has been extracted and sensitive data has been leaked and exposed to the dark web. So these are the famous ones. We also have a, the ability to check for updates. For example, if we see that there is some CU for cumulative updates on your SQL that been released and, and you didn't install them, then we have the ability to automatically highlight you all the SQL servers that you must install the latest update. And of course, SA, XP, Commercial, we have the ability to highlight or to surface all the misconfigured SQL uh, in a single recommendation. And I think uh, that was your previous question, what we actually feed into AC. It's not only those misconfigurations, it's also the ability to aggregate the configuration of any SQL server you have or customers have within their organization and their environments, again, regardless of where the SQL server run, 
we have the ability to aggregate all the misconfigurations into a single recommendation, giving the ability to security owners and security administrator to prioritize their SQL according to the criticality of the SQL. If you have SQL that are in production, that are customer-facing, you can very quickly search for that SQL into the recommendation and check what's the configuration, or should I say, what are the misconfigurations on that SQL. If we found that there are too many users that are uh, have excessive privileges on the database, we can highlight you those users and ask you, hey, do you know those users? And our customers can say, yes, all these users, we know them. So they can set up what we call a baseline on these users, allowing SQL VA to say, okay, as long as this list doesn't change, for me, everything is, is going well. When a, user, when a new user with excessive privileges will be created within that database, I will automatically highlight that change into this ASC recommendation allowing the security administrator to automatically understand that there is a change on a specific database and pay attention to that change and mitigate or at least say, okay, this is a valid user, just add this user to my existing baseline. So I think those are, these are the things or this is how SQL VA works and search for important to mention that we are always adding new rules. We are always improving existing rules. We have different rules for different flavors of SQL. So of course, if you're running an Azure SQL database, we are not going to check if XP commercial is enabled because this is not supported in Azure SQL DB. If you're using a SQL server, we are going to check some rules that are not supported on the Azure SQL database. If you're running a SQL managed instance, we have a set of rules that apply to each of these flavors of SQL. So it's a tool that is not generically built for SQL, but we tailor-made it for every flavor of SQL to ensure that we are covering any potential misconfiguration on any flavor of SQL currently being supported by Microsoft. Actually, you beat me to the punch there. I was going, I was going to point out that XP underscore command shell is not available on the, on Azure SQL DB. Uh, you don't have access to the underlying operating system. Um, and also, even on prem, XP underscore command shell is disabled by default, but you know, certainly customers uh, do enable it. If that's the case, then I think people need to understand, you know, the risks. I mean, it's, a great deal of functionality, but it's, you know, with, with that increased functionality comes a great deal of responsibility as well. Absolutely. I think, I think it's important also to explain that, as you said, not all the misconfigurations are enabled by default. Microsoft does not provide you SQL that is not well configured, but I think we are, we are basically giving you this out-of-the-box SQL server. While we know that security, and I think this is something that we are always saying for the last five years, is that security is a shared responsibility between software provider or cloud provider in our case, and the end and, and user. A lot of organization uh, that deployed Azure Defender for SQL came to us and say, hey, I deployed Azure Defender for SQL. Why am I still receiving alerts? They thought that deploying Azure Defender for SQL is this kind of, you know, uh, antivirus or firewall that stops everything like Superman. And it's important to understand that at the end, Azure Defender for SQL it's a powerful tool, but it's still a tool. It's not a, it's not a real human that is going to change your configuration because at the end, only 
the the organization are the only one who knows why exactly they need to change this because it's it's not going to hurt their application, their business, their processes, and uh, and 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 we are here to highlight those misconfigurations. But probably we we I mean we have organizations that enable the XP commercial because their applications that run on top of SQL requires that capability. So they basically came to SQL VA and applied the baseline on XP commercial for some of their databases, saying. As long as XP commercial is still enabled, hey, you know what? Consider it as acceptable for, for my organization. But it's only on, on some specific databases. You will never see organizations that deploy or enable XP commercial on all of their environments. They're usually deploying or enabling XP commercial on few databases within their organization. And this is where SQL VA becomes super important because we have the ability to tell you, hey, you know what? We found all this XP commercial. You tell, you told me that on database number one, two, three, this is the expected behavior. But you know what? I found 100 databases that somebody deploy or enable DSA or the XP commercial or did not install the, the latest CU. So you should pay attention to this potential misconfigurations of vulnerability before someone, malicious user or attackers, will use that vulnerability against you. This is an important point. I could have, say, 100 SQL databases, and I could just say, hey, that one database over there requires XP underscore command shell. It, it just does. So don't keep warning me about that one database. But if it pops up in any of the other 99 databases, I want to know. Um, so that's essentially what you just said. Is that is that a, a fair point? Yes, absolutely. So we have the ability within SQL vulnerability assessment to uh, make what we call a baseline tool. So we allow customers to set a baseline, which means basically as long as this finding result does not change, consider it as a healthy finding, as a healthy configuration, regardless of what you, Microsoft, think best practices should be. Just don't bother me too much about it. On this specific database, this specific finding is healthy. This is the expected configuration. Now, as you said, if something changed, Let's say that, I don't know, I have five administrators on my database. For me, these are the right administrators that I, that I must have on my databases. Now, if there is a new administrator that is being added on my database, please let me know because I want to identify if this is a valid administrator, if this is a valid user, if this is not a malicious activity that somebody access or a lateral movement of a malicious users uh, that basically trying to extract the data from one of my database. Uh, let's focus a little bit on uh, separation of privilege. There's a lot of interesting data that uh, are beneficial for different type of groups. What kind of data, what kind of access uh, those DBAs or other roles have? So that's a good question. I think separation of privileges or separation of duties, depending on, on who you're talking with, but these are similar terms that are basically saying the same thing is how we ensure that we are not giving too much privileges or too much access to a single user within the organization. It's something that we do consider within Azure Security Center and more specifically in SQL vulnerability assessment. So because we are an Azure product, well built on top of Alba. So yes, yeah, so, so of course, if you, if you are a DBA that has access only to the database, then you, you, you won't see the scan results within Azure Security Center because your AID uh, uh, user don't, uh, doesn't have enough permission on, on Azure Security Center. 
On the, on the other way, if you are a security administrator on Azure Security Center, but you don't have access to your, to the database, then you will see the misconfiguration, but you won't be able to mitigate or to investigate those misconfiguration. And I think it falls again, the friction that we have between all these personas that are dealing with different tools and permissions and agenda and languages and platforms. The DBA is used, is used to work with SSMS while security administrators are, are mainly using Azure Security Center, where the SOC team that, that are dealing with the alerts coming from SQL LTP are, are mainly dealing with SIM application, SIM platform like Azure Sentinel. It means a lot. It means that we have all these users that need to work together and to collaborate while working on different platforms with different permissions. So what we did is giving the, the database security role, or should I say, allowing the security database administrator in case you have this permission, this role uh, on the database, then you can basically see the scan results. So if you have enough permission on the database itself, on the engine, and if you have enough permission on the Azure to see the scan results, then you will be able to do everything. But if you're only a DBA, just to answer to your question, then we do not expect you to see the results within Azure Security Center. Actually, I'm going to go one step further. It's not that we, we don't expect you to see the results. We don't want you to see the results at all. I think that's um, that's critically important. Every customer I work with, especially in regulated industries, are really interested in separation of duties. Uh, in fact, going one step further, um, people who are doing, so for example, SQL Server supports row-level security. Well, it also supports the ability to have security officers who can manipulate the row-level security rules, because they're essentially a, a predicate function, it's a little bit like a, like a store procedure, they can write that logic and set up the logic and set up the policies around it, but they, they have no access to the data. Um, they also have no access to Azure Security Center scan results. They also have no access to key vault secrets used for, say, always encrypted or column encryption. So SQL Server actually has some really good capabilities. And the Azure platform in general has these fantastic privileges or abilities, I should say, to support separation of uh, separation of duties or separation of privilege. With that, let's let's start to bring this thing to an end. Derek, one question we always ask we always ask all our guests is if you had one final thought to leave our listeners with, uh, what would it be? I'm usually starting my my conferences with a with a sentence that I really like that comes from John Chambers. It said something that I really like. He said there are two types of companies: those that have been hacked and those who don't know they have been hacked. And I think SQL VAs. SQL VA and SQL ATP that are basically bundled into a product called Azure Defender for SQL comes to solve that equation. Like if you have SQL Server, if you are using SQL within Azure, outside of Azure, within AWS, on-premise, regardless of where you use it, try Azure Defender for SQL, scan your databases, allow us to help you to find misconfigurations, vulnerabilities, help to you to understand how to fix and remediate those misconfigurations and vulnerabilities. And in case something happened on your database, we can also highlight you and send you alerts to let you know that there is a malicious user or malicious activities 
in your databases. David, thank you so much for joining us this week. Really appreciate you spending the time. I know you're incredibly busy. Um, I certainly learned a, learned a bunch as well. Uh, I've been spending a lot of years you know, with SQL databases, but I always, I always learn something. Uh, so again, thank you so much for turning up this week. Um, and for our listeners, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe out there and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Azure Security Podcast. You can find show notes and other resources at our website, azsecuritypodcast.net. If you have any questions, please find us on Twitter at Azure SecPod. Background music is from ccmixter.com and licensed under the Creative Commons license.